0: Giant robots smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robot Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Lindsay Christensen, and with us today is Jeff DeMasi, founder of Punk Avenue and Apostrophe. Jeff, welcome to the show.
1: Thanks. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me on.
0: So I want to talk about Apostrophe... But Apostrophe came out of Punk Avenue, is that right?
1: Um, yeah, so Apostrophe was a product we created, you know, for our work at Punk Av, you know, and Punk Ave is a agency, you know, consulting kind of model mm-hmm. uh, design and, and dev and branding for clients primarily. And um, we made it as an open source tool as far back as 2008. And never intended for it to be, you know, the foundation of a company, to be honest.
0: So what is Apostrophe?
1: So Apostrophe is an open source content management system. Some of the sort of important factors nowadays are it's written in Node. So it's a full JavaScript solution, which you know, has different implications we can get into. Some people might use WordPress for the same problem or Drupal, right? And, and nowadays, there's lots of other ways in which people are approaching managing content for the web as well.
0: So uh, what were you solving for exactly? Uh, Was this uh, a personal pain you were feeling?
1: Yeah, I mean, there's actually a pretty long sort of history to why we made apostrophe or sort of a personal story. But the first thing we really were solving for was we wanted to be able to focus on the problems that we thought were interesting and not wanting to spend a lot of time, for instance, on training clients, answering questions on how do I use this tool
0: um, as far as like thing. CMS tools?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I mean, in the past and, and you know, going back, my involvement in building websites, going back to sort of the early days of the web, you know, so much time explaining things to people is not something that, that I enjoyed in terms of very rote, basic questions. It's not that I didn't enjoy like helping people, but I just wanted to get out of that, the business of that. And we we just thought like, well, if we make something that is easy to use, that'll help in that area. And so, you know, if you translate that, we really wanted to create something that was pleasurable and easy and joyful for people to use. And the basic premise going back even to an earlier prototype of apostrophe was you click on what you want to change. Nowadays, there's a lot more interface experiences like that, especially with touch interfaces. But then it wasn't so common. And part of the story is that we worked then and now, you know, the PunkAv ecosystem has a lot of nonprofits and a lot of people that don't have technical staff or technical training. So we thought the way to make it easy for them and the way to really empower people is to let them click on what they want to change, um, not to go through some complex directories or something like that. So that was kind of the one of the original driving inspirations for Apostrophe and You know part of that was my belief that the web should be a democratizing tool overall so everyone should be able to publish to the web and i always hated the phrase the tyranny of technology Um, so where technologists would control everything and that drove me crazy because um (laughs) i just think like that's not what should be limiting how we solve problems especially when somebody just doesn't want to do it versus that it's not doable that kind of thing so that was like a big part of it but another part of it was the quality of the code or the joyfulness of using the code on the programmer or web developer side of things. So another huge goal right from the beginning was you know, when we wrote the first version in 2008, and we're many versions past that at this point, we really wanted it to be a tool that we wanted to use. And there were other tools out there that we had used at the time that, you know, the team as, as a group of crafts people did not enjoy them, <laughs> you know, for, in yeah. simple terms, we thought the code wasn't written the way we would want that to be written or organized in the way, we, that kind of thing. So those were kind of the two main problems we were solving for, I guess.
0: So I'm intrigued what the personal story is around starting apostrophe.
1: One of, the th- one of the things I think about a lot is when I was in high school, my mom was getting her PhD and the only computer in the house was in my bedroom. So um, <laughs> she would wake me up when she couldn't figure out how to like use the computer in some way. And so in many ways, I think about that experience when I think about designing software and creating software. I, I don't want to have somebody like my mom have to wake up somebody in the middle of the night, you know, that's sort of the metaphor of how to use it. Mm -hmm. Why should my mom who's getting her PhD need to be an expert in word processing or how to boot up a computer? Because back then it was even more complicated (laughs) to just even turn it on, that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned that you were working with a lot of uh, nonprofits, where I imagine, you know, they have an extremely lean team and resources Mm -hmm. and are not focused on the website, although it's important for them to be able to make updates.
1: Yeah, and nor should they be. I mean, I feel like what, you know, the sort of days of the webmaster working at a company, and their main thing was just to update the website. You know, in many ways, Apostrophe replaces the webmaster, (laughs) and gets allows people to directly do the work they need to do, and allows you to focus more on the content, right? So that, that kind of is the big high level of any content management system. But one that is easier to use, certainly, kind of goes even further in that that where you don't have to have technical people to help you or or to even feel bad about yourself for not being able to update the website.
0: Yeah. So who are the typical users, end users? So
1: what's interesting is, you know, part of the story of never thinking that we were going to create a company around it, it relates to this. I mean, we open sourced it. People have been using it, you know, around the world and different ways for over a decade at this point. And in some ways, we never knew really who was using it, <laughs> except for the ones we were building, right? So in terms of like sites that we built as part of the team at Punk Ave. So then at some point, we offered help. We said, if you have, are using Apostrophe and you want our help, like we'll help you develop it. We'll, we'll build features. We'll help solve problems. What we call enterprise support for Apostrophe. And before you know it, we started getting inquiries, And, you know, Punk had this huge portfolio of nonprofits and, you know, for profit, typically sort of mission driven for profits as well. So this huge portfolio. But before long, we were getting inquiries from companies like Michelin, the tire company and large enterprise companies who were using apostrophe. And it was solving their problem really well. And they wanted to use it more or get our help to use it more. And so nowadays, a, a sort of a typical user might be this large enterprise company that wants a JavaScript-driven content management system. So that's great for their team. They're already developing in JavaScript. Say they have a technical team that is skilled in that. Uh, as you probably are aware, there's a lot of employee retention concerns. So a lot mm-hmm. of developers want to be developing in JavaScript. So that's a way to keep them engaged and excited about the work. And then there's just the way in which Apostrophe is written and it really scales well for large enterprise situations. So it's funny, we wrote it. And tested it with so many of the types of clients we worked with. But somehow it managed to just because of the way we architected it and thought about it, it actually works well for large enterprise as well.
0: So is the enterprise support the paid element, the revenue generation for apostrophe?
1: Yeah, that's one big component.
0: How are you thinking about pricing?
1: So for enterprise, where well, there's a couple of things, you can sort of buy a bucket of hours and get sort of priority support as this sort of entry level to that. And that's great for a lot of people. And then we also have a enterprise package that has to do with the way we package the open source and optimize it for enterprise clients, because we've been working now with several of them. So we know what the way to package the open source elements, and we'll throw in some closed source pieces that are very specific to enterprise scale situations. And then that's also bundled with some support hours and and prioritization that type of thing. So that's one way in which we're funding the growth of Apostrophe. Mm-hmm. Another option is we also do have hosted versions of Apostrophe. So there's a product we call Apostrophe Assembly, which is a multi-site tool. It's, it can be either in the cloud, like something we manage or licensed so that someone has it on their premise. That's often done in the cloud hosted version. And that allows companies to build multiple sites with the same tool, the Apostrophe Assembly tool. And then they pay us on a monthly basis for the platform in that scenario. And we're growing towards we want to create a platform as a service option. So people who want to use apostrophe but don't want to deal with the infrastructure, just want to get up and running quickly, that'll be the one of the next things we'll we'll build out for people.
0: So that when you were building apostrophe, there were other CMS tools. Was it mainly the technology stack behind those tools that were making them maybe difficult to use or less ideal, or were there other things that you were looking to do better?
1: So, I mean, just to give you some background, I have a liberal arts background. So I studied history and philosophy, and then I went to art school for grad school. So I studied book arts and printmaking. You know, my technical background is all self-taught. So learned how to code growing up as a kid in the basement, you know, kind of thing on a computer that my parents had bought for us, you know, Commodore 64, that kind of thing. So (laughs) I don't have a computer science or engineering background. So for me, it's always been about the people, you know, when I would use early, you know, early WordPress or Experience Drupal or Expression Engine or all these other things. I don't want to throw them under the bus, but I didn't like them. And I didn't find them intuitive and I didn't understand how to use them. And I'm not afraid of technology. So I thought like, if I don't even <laughs> like this and I find it confusing when I'm, sp- how I'm supposed to edit content, how would people that that I work with and, you know, coming from an arts background, that's part of the reason why I was working with so many nonprofits. It's things I really care about. So it, to me, it was like, um, well, we can do something better. And, you know, the early apostrophe and the early prototypes, you know, were at the very early cutting edge of content management system that structure i forget what year wordpress first was released but you know we were doing things at the same time so i think if we had started you know 10 years later i think we would have just been like well these are the sort of well worn grooves and it would be hard to fight against it but since we had started earlier doing different things i think it was hey we can build these things this is better for us and our clients and, you know, just philosophically, we believe this is better. You know what I mean? It takes mm-hmm. a lot to say, like, we're going to keep doing this when, <laughs> when WordPress runs, you know, a third of the web, as they like to say, you know, that kind of thing.
0: So how are you balancing working on Apostrophe earlier on or as it's picking up steam? How do you keep it yeah. going while, you know, having a day job? Right, right.
1: <laughs> it was really hard because there would be moments of acceleration. And it's the classic challenge of a service company trying to build a product. But what's funny is we always thought we would build products for ourselves, but we never thought it would be apostrophe. We thought, well, that's just the thing we do, this great open source project that we do. (laughs) But it was always hard to invest in it. And we did it in different ways. One of the ways we made a lot of progress was actually 2009 after the huge crash, right? Economic crash. Honestly, like the phone was not ringing at Punk F. But fortunately, we had signed two larger projects, and one was a large project at a university that we were able to focus on really building out Apostrophe and really building out the open source ecosystem around it it, during that time while delivering the client project. I think without the phone not ringing, it would have been more difficult to establish Apostrophe. So, you know, it's sort of that classic... Never waste a crisis or something kind of uh, (laughs) situation because because really it was very very difficult economically for anyone in business and a lot of people went out of business. We had a small enough team and we had just enough work to make that that happen. Other times it's been very difficult when we're busy. Um, So part of it's always been about you know using a client project if something came up that related to the interface or related to how it worked or was a bug. We were able to in many ways, roll that into improving the product for that client and for everyone else. That's like the best way, I think, to develop a product while you're a service company, if you're actually using it for the client, as opposed to a separate thing you're trying to develop when you have extra time. Mm -hmm. So in many ways, every client project, I sort of thought of it as like a test case for Apostrophe. Like, is Apostrophe going to work or not? Especially as we were developing in in the early years, like... Is this interface confusing? Let me watch our clients use it. Right. Oh, it is confusing. Let's fix that. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. So that, that's a big part of it. Over the years, we came up with other things. We, we were stuck at one point and we came up with this strategy to have pair programming. We scheduled out weeks where Tom Boutel, who's the chief you know, software architect of Apostrophe at the time and uh, you know, CTO of the company now, would pair with another developer at Punk Ave and spend a week on building out a new version of apostrophe or something like that and do that once a month. And, you know, that's tricky, but we scheduled that and we figured that was a great thing for the other developers to get time to develop new skills, you know, that kind of thing. So there was things like that, that we were able to work out over time. Sometimes we used to be like Friday is always apostrophe day. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that worked, sometimes that didn't, (laughs) you know, because if something like a client thing bled into that, you know, so it's, Always a challenge to do when you're trying to also prioritize client work.
0: Yeah, we can definitely relate over here at ThoughtBot over the years. We've we've worked on some products. We do the Friday investment day, which, you know, oftentimes people use that for, you know, working on product or internal tools or yeah, especially right. if they're in maybe like a language that they have less experience with but would like to master.
1: What do you, what has like worked for you guys? What's the best hack or approach? Have you do you have any uh
0: I'm not sure. You know, we sort of recently decided that, you know, any of the products that were doing better, we actually spun out and decided to actually focus more on the service side and the the client business. So Currently, it's more around improving internal tools than externally facing tools. Uh, but mm-hmm. we have gone through periods where, where those have been a focus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it's tough, especially as far yeah. as like balance and attention and you know, figuring out, is this something that could be a successful or meaningful route for us? And do we make that you know, sacrifice to, to client work?
1: Yeah. And did you spin them out and sell them? Or did you spin them out and, s- and it's still part of the the ecosystem?
0: I think both. Um, <laughs> okay. in, one, in one case, I think we ended up, you know, selling them to the original creators from ThoughtBot who had moved on. Okay. And they were interested in taking it back over. We still have, you know, lots of open source that folks kind of contribute to during their mm. investment time, but aren't Products that are going to be commercial, for example.
1: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I remember talking to Chad years ago about some of the products you had and some of the strategies around it. So it's, I, I'm just curious how things. <laughs> yeah, no. Last gone. year
0: we ended. So you know, one of the bigger products for us was Upcase, which is our online learning platform. Okay. For mostly for junior and mid developers, and it has a bunch of like in depth learning trails and for a while that was a subscription product and last year we decided basically that again that we were going to really focus on the client work side of things and we ended up just making it free so yeah pitch if you want to <laughs> if you were looking to uh level up your skills from junior to <laughs> mid-level developer upcase is now free there you go <laughs> so one of my questions you actually answered which was I was curious about like if it's open source and you're not sure sometimes who is actually using it like how you're mm-hmm. learning about how people are using it and sort of where yeah, to invest yeah. next and it sounds like you had the benefit of having kind of a testing ground within client projects.
1: Yeah, I mean that's definitely true. But it's a it's a good question. I mean, I'm not sure if it's been clear from what I said so far, but we did spin out apostrophe this year back end of May, <laughs> something like that. And has had a full time team since July. So it's a separate company and there's a full focus. And what's been interesting is that, you know, we aren't working directly with clients, the team working on apostrophe in the way we used to with PunkF. We do have clients in a sense, but they're typically buying apostrophe in a different way, if that makes sense, or um, getting involved in a different way. So, you know, making sure that we stay connected to how people are using it is really important. And even just this week, I was just reaching out to people. So, we have a headless version of apostrophe. So, um for those that don't know i mean headless cmss are an interesting new shift where you know you're putting content into the into the content management system and then there's apis that allow you to pull the content elsewhere you know in a website or mobile or do the jamstack approach that everyone's talking about that kind of thing but i'm like who's using headless and how are they using it and i just just tried to find people mm-hmm. through our discord which is our chat tool we're using for the community or like through Twitter. You know, we have to be proactive to do that in some ways.
0: So I'd love to talk more about the decision to actually spin it off into its own company. Like what was leading up to that? Why did you make that decision? How it's going? I want to know all the things.
1: (laughs) Okay. Yeah, that was a huge decision. In some ways, very stressful, in other ways, very methodical. So <laughs> at Punk we we adopted the OKR system a couple years ago, three years ago or something, which is stands for objectives and key results. You know, you have an objective and then there's key results that you can measure it, and then there's tasks you do to get closer. So at first we had objectives around diversifying revenue mm-hmm. that led us to offer enterprise services. And that worked, <laughs> um, but we were also considering other ways of diversifying revenue at Punk Ab at the time, and, and this one worked the best. So then we started to continue to modify those things, and it was really helpful because then, okay, well, we've got some new clients, and people are excited about this enterprise offering, and they're using it, and that kind of thing. So that's what I mean when I say methodical. So we just kept revising those to the point where we started to say, okay, we're, we're planning on spinning out apostrophe. And so we spent a good year with objectives and key results and tasks around spinning it out, including uh, reaching out to potential investors and and just feeling that world out. We had never taken investment before. So that was a new thing to consider,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: including trying to see if other people wanted to use, you know, to pay us for enterprise support.
0: And were you ever thinking of actually selling it off or was it always? Apostrophe? Yeah.
1: That never really came up. I mean, we we do anticipate growing it to the point where um, it may become more attractive to certain companies to acquire it as a possibility, but we're also really focused right now on just growing it, growing Mm -hmm. the community and building it out. But yeah, I mean, I guess anything is possible in terms of that. And we also were very transparent with the team. So the OKRs that that we developed for Apostrophe were all part of the Punk Ave OKRs, right? So they were a subset of those key results. And it was interesting to be really transparent about it. And that's definitely within our DNA and our nature to do that. So it was much easier for us to just be like, hey, this is what we're doing. And here's the next step. And then every quarter, we have something called the State of Punk, where we report financials. You know, for Punk Ave, report financials out to the company was the original genesis of that But we started to, over the years, add all kinds of other things. So reporting on where we are with different objectives became a big part of the state of punk. And so, you know, everyone in the company was aware of what was happening. I'll say personally, like, you make these plans, you never know if they're going to happen. So, you, so you're so you like, this is what we want to do. And this is what we'll do if these things get met, like if we get another client or there's some interest on the on the investment side or whatever. So it was almost unbelievable when it finally happened to me. So, <laughs> like, yeah, wow, I can't believe it. <laughs> we've been planning for this. And and it really was not what we intended in terms of when we started apostrophe. So there was a lot of really cool things about it actually happening.
0: And are you, at that point, as you're looking to spin it off, I guess last year, like the product owner for Apostrophe?
1: Hmm. I'm not, I would not say that. I think in its early years, I was more of the product owner. And then over time, that shifted and changed quite a bit with just different responsibilities that I was doing at Punk Ave. Um, when Punk Ave was a smaller company we and we originally created it, everybody was involved in it. And then over time, it was a smaller group that mm-hmm. was focused on the product of it versus the implementation of it. So, yeah, no, at this point, I, w- I would not say that. Although, you know, obviously I have thoughts and ideas and input around the product. I w- I'm not, I wouldn't say product owner.
0: So you successfully got some funding, it sounds like, and spun it out. And now mm-hmm. where do you sit between <laughs> Punk, Avenue Apostrophe, like both literally and figuratively? Like, uh, Is it right, in right. the same space or?
1: Oh, right, right. Good question. <laughs> It's not in the same space now. We thought we would be in the same space for a period of time, but very quickly when we spun out Apostrophe, Punk App needed this physical space, like needed the desks mm-hmm. <laughs> to some degree, like, um, you know, because we did take six people from Punk App to the Apostrophe team, six people that had primarily been focusing on Apostrophe in okay. some form. So there was the need to rehire in some ways, but also just growth was happening um, and need to hire in general. And so we were, we brought in a managing director. We hired someone we'd been talking to for probably a year saying like, Hey, if we do spend this out, would you be interested? And, and at first it was like, maybe, you know, and then eventually as we got closer then the conversations got more, more serious. So with Anthony, who's the managing director at Punk Ave, you know, he also, we've given him a lot of autonomy and a lot of latitude to make decisions and part of like hiring and, and whatnot is led by him and and the team. Mm-hmm that's really managing and running Punk av. Alex Gilbert, who was my partner at Punk Av and is now still a partner at Punk av together with me, but also at Apostrophe, we're focusing on Apostrophe. So the space plan changed very quickly. And so now uh, Apostrophe is a fully remote team is how we've structured it.
0: And you're full-time on Apostrophe.
1: I am, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And part of being fully remote makes a lot of sense for an open source project because the people that use Apostrophe are, are, are all over the world. And some of the people we'd love to hire don't live in Philadelphia, you know, and don't even necessarily live in the U.S. So it just made sense to start building a culture that was trying to optimize what a completely remote team, how it would operate. So that's like some of the stuff we're trying to figure out now.
0: And what is your role there?
1: So at at Apostrophe, my title and, you know, of course, we never had titles at Punk Ave for years and years. But at, at, at Apostrophe, my title out of the gate is Chief Partnerships Officer which is a title that I think we're sort of um, making up a little bit.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hey, why not? It's your company. (laughs)
1: Right. And I think partnerships officers are maybe typically more in the nonprofit world, but really what my focus is on relationships with people helping to build out, there's a, a few things. One is there's agencies like Punk Ave, Around the world are already using apostrophe right to do client work. We've already been in touch with them. Some of them already um, may have a small contract with us or something like that. So one of my goals is to figure out how to best support them and what works for them and what's going to you know allow them to use apostrophe optimally and find it to be a good option. Right. So that's a piece of it. Then there's also just um, relationships in general with the open source world because you know that's really important to us that people continue to find apostrophe to be something that they enjoy using and want to use and are choosing for their own projects even just for their own side projects or for work or whatever reason. So that's a piece of it and I think there's, you know, a lot more that we're figuring out. But in terms of my general responsibilities, I mean, I'm, you know, having run Punk Ave together with Alex. I'm also involved in a lot of different operations and and things like that depending on the on the day. <laughs> so mm-hmm. And you know he is the c e o which is great for me because you know it's a little bit of a a role reversal, but I've been in that position so I can be helpful in other ways
0: mm-hmm. and do you have uh technical partnerships as far as like integrations and things like that?
1: yeah, so i mean a lot of a lot of the way that people create things is there's a lot of different tools we might be partnering with, so we might be integrating with Salesforce or we might be integrating with like Shopify or some other tool. And so that is a, a piece of partnerships that we want to continue to develop because we're not trying to recreate everything out there. We're trying to allow the best of breed tool to be used in that area and then plug into apostrophe in a, in a meaningful way.
0: And it sounds like within your role, there's maybe a large community element as well, as far as, you know, the open source community for one. Yeah.
1: I mean, to me, that's also part, a big part of my background. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I co-founded a civic association in in South Philly um, with my wife and other neighbors back, I don't know, 2002, two three something like that, in the neighborhood where Punk Ave offices and um, where where I used to live. And that is really important work to me. So, you know, authentically connecting with people, you know, apostry doesn't exist without a vibrant open source community of people who think it's great and appreciate what we're doing and trust us. So that kind of building that trust is, you know, I, I love the phrase, you move at the speed of trust. You know, it's really important for us that we, even as we navigate what it means for Apostrophe to be this fully open source project that we were using for our clients and and sharing out, navigating, adding enterprise tools, it's really important for us that we always are prioritizing the open source community.
0: Yeah. So you mentioned you're in Philly. I am not very familiar with sort of the Philly tech and and business scene. You now have a a product company based there. Mm -hmm. What else is going on in Philly?
1: (laughs) (laughs) I love Philly. Philly's a great city. I moved here in 1995 for grad school and intended to move back to New York City, where I was working at the time, but really fell in love with it. And um, just as a city, it's really a great place to live in terms of quality of life. And It's like a world-class city in terms of the way in which you can live um, and culture and all that kind of thing. So that's sort of the foundational piece that I think makes Philadelphia really great. And then in terms of the tech scene, it's always... I know you guys, you know, have a big presence in Boston. I know you have other locations, but in terms of cities that are not New York City or San Francisco or something like that, they're often like trying to compare themselves to to those. Mm -hmm. But I would say that a lot of those feelings of trying to compare have really disappeared over the years. And I think right now in Philadelphia, we're just celebrating who we are, which is like, there's a vibrant tech scene. There are people who will invest that are in the Philadelphia scene. Like there are, you know, we have investors in Apostrophe that are, from Philadelphia, three of them are from Philadelphia out of the four. So seems good (laughs) from that perspective. Yeah. But then again, if you need to raise money for a product, and that's the model you're looking to do, you certainly don't have to be in that city to, um, you know, people will fund the thing that they think is interesting, and they think is going to succeed. So I don't know, I don't know if that's the way to look at it. But overall, there's a lot of companies, there's product companies like Guru based here in Philadelphia that are growing pretty rapidly and many others and then there's um you know just a great like supportive scene so like Philly startup leaders and you know Indy Hall the co-working space that that I co-founded years ago there's a huge community of people that are supportive and that are based out of there i think there's a general willingness to help and it's very easy to get a meeting or conversation or coffee with with almost anyone in the city so that's i think a real positive thing so people are willing to to mentor and answer questions and i think as we've had some successful companies actually have exits or, you know, like RJ Metrics was bought by Magento, which was then bought by Adobe, you know, some of those people who were able to succeed in that are now using some of their resources to invest in new companies.
0: Very cool. So they they stuck around.
1: Yeah, yeah. Plenty of people have stuck around and and many people are making it a requirement that if you're buying us, we're staying in Philly mm-hmm. um, versus in the past, sometimes it would be that you're buying us, but we're moving to wherever, you know.
0: And when did you found the co-working space?
1: I guess 2006 with uh, Alex Hillman is my partner in the in the much more public face of Indy Hall.
0: Is that still going?
1: It's still going. And we're still in the same neighborhood where we originally opened a space. But we always like to say the community precedes the space. So, but yeah, we're, we've, we're based in Old City, Philadelphia. It's a neighborhood that's in the center of, uh, of the city.
0: And what prompted you to do that?
1: Well, from my perspective... <laughs> Punk Ave had, had been going for a while. We had a space. And in fact, my wife and I owned the building where Punk Ave is in a neighborhood that was emerging when we bought it. So we didn't need a space per se. But at the time, I was also a professor in multimedia at uarts or the university of the arts in philadelphia so you're busy (laughs) i am no longer doing that but at the (laughs) time i was (laughs) and one of the things i would notice is a lot of my students when i would be advising them were you know there wasn't that many options in philly for them to stay for as a multimedia student and that really bothered me because i really love philadelphia so i i was very torn because i wanted to convince them to stay but i also want them to be successful so alex hillman my business partner I met him because he he wrote this really passionate message on an email list at the time that uh, like a tech email list that, in Philadelphia that about coworking and about his passion for it. And I said, I love this. I love that this would be good for Philadelphia and it would be a, a way for people to get together. And I understand real estate a little bit, and I understand like community a little bit because I already started the civic. So like, I'd love to work with you on this. And that that was kind of how I got involved. And so I was much more interested in what I called a clubhouse, like creating a place for people to come together and and for the community to have like a base, like a place. And Alex was also interested in those things, but also needed a space in a sense that he was going crazy working out of his house as a freelancer. So mm-hmm. he had that real understanding of what it means to be disconnected from people and wanted to be connected to people. Like, And I could understand that, but that wasn't my primary need. So together we instantly clicked and, and we, we together shared that putting Philadelphia on the map goal and creating that community space. So that really was what drove us. And and in the early years, a lot of people asked us to make an Indie Hall in some other city. And we said, you know, honestly, we're not interested. <laughs> like, like and we open source a lot of how we do Indie Hall. And Alex is a very popular speaker on the topic of co-working and that and whatnot. So Very supportive of people creating co-working spaces, but we said, we did it for this reason. And so for us, it's not about growing or franchising or anything like that. So we've always been focused on the one location in the community.
0: You have um, an interesting kind of variety of viewpoints as far as like spaces that you work in, Uh, you know, having a studio now Uh operating in a remote company, launching a co-working space. This is seems to be a, a hot topic these days about, you know, what is actually a productive working space? What is the ultimate working uh-huh. space? Do you have any opinions on that?
1: <laughs> well, what's interesting is, yeah, I have a lot of opinions, <laughs> but I don't... <laughs> I think space and place is really, really important. I mean, I I do think if I had known, for instance, that there was an urban planning major, I probably would have majored in that as an example. But I did go to art school, as I mentioned, and I did a lot of work creating installations and experiences for people. And I think the spaces people are in, they don't even realize how it's affecting them. And they may be feeling irritated or frustrated in some way, and they don't even ascribe it to all of the things around them. They may think like, oh, I don't like this person I'm interacting with because I'm feeling bad, right? We remember how we feel. So I think all the way in which you organize these kinds of things and all the the thinking behind it is super critical. And you don't have to have, like, for instance, the most expensive furniture by any means, but the way you lay it out and the way you think about flow and all that. So in terms of, say, office space, there's like a lot of conversation about open spaces versus like offices, for instance, is one topic. And I'll say, I don't think an open space is the best place to work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But but Indy Hall is all open space. You're optimizing one thing and you're trading off another thing. So if you're thinking about efficiency and like the ability to focus, I would say open spaces aren't necessarily the way to do it, but they look really cool. And now you have companies like, so Comcast built a, a new tower in Philadelphia recently, the technology center, and it's all open space in contrast to the first Comcast Tower, which is not like that at all. So in some ways, I sort of laughed and thought like, well, are they sure that's going to be good for them? You know, I mean, I know we do it in in this co-working space, but that's not necessarily the best way to work. There's a lot of value in being able to close a door and focus and all that kind of stuff. So I'm just kind of teasing some of the topics. I'm happy to answer follow-up questions. (laughs) or I'm not sure if I'm getting at what you're curious about.
0: No, it's my fault for going on a tangent, but it does. I do feel like I see <laughs> this debate daily and it occurred to me of a, a unique perspective, but I think uh, it's complicated and it depends <laughs> in, a, yeah, in a lot it of really instances. Does.
1: Are you guys in open space or offices or what's your work life You're like? we are
0: open space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So very controversial. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it can be. Yeah.
0: So are y'all building your team right now at Apostrophe?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we've been hiring and we, we expect to grow. That's part of the reason why we, we took investment and it's not a huge amount of investment at this point, but we wanted to accelerate some of the things we're doing and we're already feeling a little bit maxed out in in certain areas. Mm -hmm. So hiring is like, is an ongoing thing that we're doing? So we're good at hiring developers. We're good at being developers. We're good at being designers and, and that kind of thing and creating software, but we still have to hire in that area. And then we're also hiring in, you know, um, technical project management and trying to figure out the best way to hire around marketing and when is the right mm-hmm. sales hire and who who should we hire. You know, some people their philosophy is to hire like a lower level sales type person who can help you. And other times it's, you know, so we definitely are growing and figuring out the way to do it. We do come from a craftsperson kind of background. Like we know how to make things and we have a sense of how to sell certain things, but we're not experts in marketing and sales too. So we definitely have to grow in that area.
0: Mm-hmm. And when you're hiring, is that fully remote anywhere in the country, anywhere in the world, or are you still trying to have folks be you know, semi-regional so that you can get together once in a while? How are you thinking about that?
1: Fully in the world, but I had conversations just today about this with my business partner, Alex Gilbert, another Alex, just to... <laughs> Confuse everyone, you have a type and <laughs> but <laughs> I guess, but yeah, one of the things you know, as we hire a challenge with any company is onboarding people, and how do you onboard people in a remote way, and our network is very strong in the Philadelphia region, so we may end up hiring a decent amount of people that are still in this region, but we already have hired someone in California, someone's in Wisconsin, we're talking to people in France, that kind of thing, so wow. before you know it like. We will have to be dealing with what it means to have a remote team, to onboard people, to build community in the company and rapport between people and trust and all that kind of stuff. And that, because we spun out with a team that knew each other and I said, wow, this is amazing. Remote work is so easy. Um, <laughs> and then you realize as you hire people, oh, okay, there's, <laughs> it's more complicated. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, it's easy for me alone. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Or easy for a group of six people that have worked together for years to right, work remotely. Yeah. Right. But you have to really think differently when you bring on people. And there's a lot of people studying this, and there's a lot to learn. And I actually find it interesting. But I realize it's something I have to prioritize and spend time on if we're going to get it right.
0: Yeah. Anything else new coming in the near future for Apostrophe that we should uh, keep our eyes out for?
1: I mean, I think a big thing for us is Apostrophe, uh, I mentioned the platform for developers to be able to just get up and running quickly, which is something that people have asked for. I've also been very interested in what's happening and how people are thinking about the Jamstack and headless CMS, as I mentioned earlier. So we already have an apostrophe headless CMS, but I want to make sure um, people know about it, can use it, and we are evolving it. I'm really excited about apostrophe assembly as well. So we've already been... As an example, like Kempton Hotel restaurants, they have like 30 different restaurants on the platform that they can manage, but we're also seeing a lot of um, partnerships emerge with companies who have technology that they want to put inside a website that they can then give to their customer that says like, here's this website that's easy to use and white labeled and out of the box. And that feels like something that we didn't think we were going to be doing, but very quickly we're getting a lot more things happening around that. So... That's been where actually we've been spending a lot of time implementing those kinds of Apostrophe assembly projects and getting them out in the world.
0: So, if people want to follow along with Apostrophe or you, uh, what's the best place to do that?
1: So, I mean, apostrophecms.com is the website for Apostrophe. And on there, there's a community link. And within there, there's a bunch of things the Discord, there's GitHub if you're a developer and you want to see what's going on. And we have a forum. You know, of course, we have a Twitter account for Apostrophe as well, but we're probably most active in GitHub and Discord that you would see. Myself, Instagram is probably where I'm most active. (laughs) And you will not see Apostrophe things primarily, but, you know, you'll see like my kids and and whatnot. But it's Jeff D, -D. G-E-O-F-F-D. I spell it the British way. I'm always happy to chat with people. So feel free to reach out at any point.
0: Cool. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It was great to learn more about you and about what's going on with apostrophe. Really exciting times.
1: Well, thanks. I appreciate you inviting me and it was fun to chat. So thank you.
0: You can subscribe to the show and find notes for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm. And you can find me on Twitter at Lindsay3D. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Tom Obarski. Thanks for listening and see you next time.
1: This podcast was brought to you by ThoughtBot. We are experienced designers and developers who turn your idea into the right product. With local studios in Boston, New York, San Francisco, Austin, London, and Raleigh-Durham, let's build something great together.